Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode 29, alongside Hunter Pulaski. I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. On this week's tee sheet, high school boys finally starting to get on the golf course in Michigan while the U of M women's golf team won their first ever Big Ten Championship over the weekend. Things starting to move along a little bit for the Live Golf Tour. They say they'll have 15 of the top 100 from the official World Golf Rankings, and Phil Mickelson has officially requested permission from the PGA Tour to play in the new Saudi League. They've also revealed their format for their Tour Championship, uh, which I believe will be in Florida at one of the Trump courses. So we'll get into that a little bit. $50 million purse for that one. And of course, we look forward to the Vedanta Vallarta Mexico Open. Brand new golf course this week. We'll parse through a weaker than average field to get you some picks and go around the tours as well. But first, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley belt up on Sunday to win the Zurich Classic in New Orleans, outlasting a late charge from Sam Burns and possible cheater Billy Horschel. Your takeaways, Hunter from the Zurich Classic over the weekend. What do you mean, possible cheater? Oh, did you not see the drop? No, I guess I didn't. Oh, do, man. Do we have some murmurs going around? Oh, man. People oh, man. They took, a, mm, they took a sketchy drop. And not, it had nothing to do with Sam Burns. It was just Jason Day. They are playing with Day and Scrivener, who did not play well. Played an incredible an alternate shot on on I think it was Friday, but uh, I think Sam hit it in the water. He did, I think, hit it in the water, and then because yeah, Billy hit the chip. So they it was a question of whether or not the ball their ball had crossed the hazard. I don't want to get too deep into that, but it was not. Like, I guess if the analogy was like an NFL game, you couldn't overturn the the call on the field because there was no definitive edit evidence one way or another. But Billy's case for it having crossed the line was murky at best. And the camera angle definitely leaned more towards the ball never having crossed the hazard, which would have been a huge difference in terms of where they were able to drop. They ended up making an easy four because Billy chipped it to like two feet. It sounds like you, you want to call Billy a cheater. You're welcome to do that. You're just kind of you're bouncing around this, bouncing around. It was, I'm not going to call him a cheater. I'm going to say they took a questionable drop for sure. And this seems to keep popping up this year. It was, uh, not too long ago, was that at, at Sawgrass when we had the burger issue? I think Hovland maybe was in his group. I think it's just uh, a, a testament. Somebody to the called times. Damon maybe called him out for taking a bad drop, and now here we are. But they did make a late charge. That was really the shot that they kind of ended their hopes. I think, but that was burger, you know they were they was my pick of the week, and they certainly played well, but not as well as Cantlay and Shoffley. Uh, back to your point real quick on the I think it is going to continue, continue to happen more with the more golf coverage there is and the more featured group coverage there is where you're where you're able to to watch these one or two groups very closely 
And so you think it's probably happening and we just don't see it on the regular telecast because they don't show us. But now that we have more access, we're able it's on camera more often. I think so. I think that, that could be continue yeah. to be. Um, and that was and and don't don't uh, don't you dare sour Victor Hovland's name. That was that was Berger that was getting involved with that. That was no, Berger, I said Berger was oh, the you? one that took the drop, but Hovland I think was in his group. Yeah, Hovland and, and damn, yeah, you you had the name. I said I didn't think I didn't hear you say uh, Berger. I just wanted to set the record I'm not straight just, there. I'm not besmirching Vic. No. Uh, Did you watch much of the Zerk Classic? I mean, I think it's. I have a thought for the format moving forward. Because it was a little bit better watched than I thought it was going to be, it still wasn't great. But what did you? What were your overall takeaways? Uh, I prefer the alternate shot more than the better ball of partners. That I can say for certain. I I like the team aspect. Um, I don't think there necessarily needs to be more of it on tour. I think it's the perfect amount. I think it's a nice little, uh, nice little change of pace. I kind of have a feeling of where you're gonna, where you're going with this. Um, are you? Oh, th- you do. Are you, th- are you thinking about? It seems like you are very into mixed, mixed events. You want the ladies? Well, I'm all about the co-ed. Thing. Get to get the ladies involved. But I'm, I mean, I've, I've been saying that since we started. Was doing that this that wasn't your program. that wasn't your idea? Like not like right now. No, I have a different idea. Okay, what what is your, I will uh, well, I apologize for jumping the gun, but I do think I still want to definitely do the co-ed thing, but this is separate. That would, I, I mean that that would be so successful, it would, it would be awesome. I know. I really think everyone would watch, but I I was watching it and thinking, I wish they were playing like I like this alternate shot format with the teams. This is kind of cool. I wish they were playing match play because team golf seems to lend itself to a little bit more of a head to head. Now I don't have all the answers for how exactly they would do that. I think you, cause teams, you'd have to give everybody a minimum of two matches. So you'd basically have to have like a think of like the three on three tournaments you played in as a kid, that like there'd probably be a loser's bracket. Uh, but they would seat them like a loser's bracket. Yeah. Know. Like a, like a one through, I don't know. You'd have fewer teams um, and have them play head to head because I just think that that's more dramatic and more fitting team golf. I haven't figured out how do you get, how does that work in terms of getting four days out of it? But um, those first couple days are a little snoozy at the Zurich classic. Yeah. You know, like I found myself, that was the latest I had made it into a Thursday without looking at a leaderboard since probably last year's Zurich classic. That's uh, a, still only about 10 AM, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a long time for me. I was just thinking of, uh, no, I can't think of what the hell I was talking about. Well, that's helpful since you're doing a talk show. I know. So that would be, I love the idea of doing it co-ed. I also think we have to touch on two other things. One is congrats to Jay Haas on becoming the oldest player to ever make a cut on the PGA Tour. Asterisk. 
carried by his son. He did make a five footer, I think on the last hole on Friday to make it on the number. That was kind of a fun story. It was fun to see. They loved that throwback picture of Jay Haas on the broadcast. They couldn't stop showing that because he looked like a, like he was getting ready to head to a disco or something, but that was like a good, that was a great photo. Um, but it was fun. To, that is kind of special. And only it's another one of those moments where you're like, okay, this is cool. Like only in golf, you know, this, there's never no, no other sport. Could you have a 62 year old guy on your team and make, you know, be among the top 50% of the, or it's actually more like 40% this week, I guess, of the field who made the cut. Um, and how could we possibly be surprised by Xander Shoffley winning an event that is something other than a straight forward? Like, it should have been clear as day. The only thing that would have made more sense is if Tony Finau had played in this and won. And he's probably going to win in Mexico this week. But especially on the tails of this one. But did you not just think, like, what weird thing is in the universe that connects this particular player with those straight, you know, he just, it's all, he's always winning an event that has some kind of something about it that people are able to then go criticize as being less significant of an accomplishment, which technically has to be true in this case, because he was carried, not carried, but teamed partnered with a better player who happens to be you know scorching hot for the better part of 18 the last 18 months yeah no i I think we uh i mean we're just big dumb idiots i don't know how we didn't see the writing on the wall i i saw i I saw the writing on the wall when they were seven up on seven up before they teed off on sunday (laughs) but goodness gracious i I don't did you take it did you did you get them at like um Minus five hundred on Sunday morning. Or uh, minus seven fifty is what I saw. I have never <laughs> in my life seen odds like yeah. that. That is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, they played so well, and then like the way that they lit up the back nine on Saturday to just step on everyone's throats. They birdied eight. Was it eight of the nine holes? Eight, seven or eight under on the back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's best ball, but. You know, they were just like, hold my beer to the rest of the field. Yeah. For some no, reason, I, I thought that Vic and Hovland could be that team. Well, they were. For and the, I just thought, like, Cantley and Shoffley, what do they care about the Zurich Classic? But turns out, they're closer friends probably than, certainly than I realized. And whether they were there to win or not, they got off to a good enough start to sort of propel them forward and mostly coast but for a couple of iffy moments some short short misses on on sunday but cantlay is setting up pretty nice for uh southern hills uh i would say so it looks like he's getting back to that form that he had late last summer that should be a really good golf course for him. Those those uh, PGA Championship odds are out, so actually we, should, we maybe want to touch on that at the uh, at the end of the show. Yeah, I do wish they'd go co-ed, and I do wish they would uh, have some kind of match match play component to it. Or I don't know. It seems like when you're playing it on a team, you should be playing against one other team instead of a bunch of other teams. But 
maybe that would create more drama in the first couple days of the event. But I think you're on something there. You could do like uh, it is it is alternate shots. So you could essentially do like you could have three three or four teams playing in one group. It would mm-hmm. only, only be four balls, and I mean, it, would, it would be a little slower than usual. But then you could essentially well, you have could, like a four way match play. You could yeah, and you could group teams like you do at the match play in Austin where they're in a group and you play, I mean, you could even play three, nine hole matches the first day. And that's, you know, you're getting out of, you got your winners and your losers bracket already set up for Friday. And then you're just going head to head until there's, you know, two teams left. Who've lost once or zero, one or zero times. I mean, I know that's kind of like a super basic format, but anyway, I think it would maybe give the event the extra 10% that it needs. The co-ed thing, I think, like, vaults it to a whole nother level. This is more of like an intermediary kind of mm-hmm. suggestion for or, or improvement. But, um, all right, we got the brand new golf course coming up this week, which should be interesting, and we got some live golf stuff to talk about too, but. Unless you have more takeaways from the Zurich, you want to take us through the local stuff? Yeah, let's. Uh, no, I don't have anything else from the Zurich. That was uh, that was enough Zurich talk for for uh, for myself. So let's how move. about those belt buckles, though? Do you remember the belt buckles from the past? I don't remember them at that event. It doesn't really seem. I don't. When I think of big belt buckles, I think of Texas. Those I know. The rant, I know. Like a rant, the two a of them in Texas, not not somebody living <laughs> that, in the bayou. That picture of them after they won, goofy as hell. <laughs> I, goofy as hell. They needed their little dogs out there. Doesn't Xander have like a French bulldog or something? That's that would have really completed the look for them. I, I, anyway, congratulations to Patrick and Xander. And is there any question? One of the hills I said I was willing to die on when we started this podcast was that Patrick Cantlay was a better player than Xander Shoffley. I believe I've been proven correct like 10 times over now in the past year and a half. I'll double down on that point and, and say that the announcers were talking as if this Patrick Cantley Xander Shoffley team was going to like be in the Ryder Cup together for the next however many years. Like Xander better be careful. Alexander is, he better be careful. He better, he's going to be getting well, captain's picks. He did just win. I know. That, he, the I, Zurich, well, I think he got 400 FedEx Cup points for that, which not the no, normal 500, but still I'm, good. I'm not saying, like, I'm not worried about this next President's Cup. He probably makes that, but, like, they were talking. Tenth in the FedEx Cup they standing. They were talking as if this guy was going to be, like, a sure thing for the next however many Ryder Cups, which, just be careful. Just be There's careful. a lot of competition. There sure is. I think there's like unless three, the live three. unless the unless the live golf tour starts standing in the way of that. I know we want to get to that too. So <laughs> yes, anyway, take yeah. us around, take us through what's happening locally. Yeah, so let's uh, we'll actually start with the college uh, the college game because the Michigan girls and the Michigan State girls had their Big Ten championship uh, this past Hail week, and and uh, Peter's alma mater took home the crown, um, winning their first ever. Big Ten Championship, which I found um, somewhat hard to believe, but that uh, that is that is true. And uh, Monet Chun, a name that we <laughs> had not said this entire year, uh, took home the crown at uh, eight under par. She shot seventy. 
66-69. That was Monet's first ever title in college. Uh, picked a pretty good time to do it, I would say. And she plays for Michigan. She plays for Michigan, yes. Sorry if I, if I make that clear. And this was, we had talked about, so we've been following them through their season, but this was in Ann Arbor. Nope, nope. Uh, this was in Pittsburgh. Uh, regionals is in Ann Arbor. Oh, regionals is in Ann Arbor. Yep. Excuse me. So that's even better because they will have a big home course advantage uh, at what's kind of a quirk, quirky course there in Ann Arbor. I mean, I know they play the, some of the, the big 10 teams get to play there. Some of the other teams every year too, but uh, being able to play it every day will make a difference. But that's sweet to it. A surprise medalist from U of M to help vault them to the team title. Yep. So yeah. So Monet finished first. Uh, Michaela Schultz finished seventeenth. Uh, Ashley Lau, who we've mentioned several times, finished T thirtieth, along with Haley Borgia, who just had a high finish at the uh, women's uh, Augusta National Women's Augusta Amateur. National Women's Amateur. Uh, Sophia Trombetta finished T forty eighth, along with Ashley Kim. So now they are off to, as we just said, off to Ann Arbor to play in a twelve team regional with, with six additional invited individuals for a chance uh there will be four teams going in two individual spots headed to the finals in arizona and what's the date for the regional uh may 9th through 11th and in second place of the big championship was michigan state so we actually had a had a very good showing from the state of michigan uh they finished four shots behind uh michigan they actually, wow, they were actually four shots. That was close. Yeah, they were actually in the lead after the first day. Had a shot a, a very solid 282. Uh, followed up with a 288. It's kind of where Michigan took over a little bit. Uh, that three-shot advantage for Michigan State turned into a four-shot disadvantage going into the final round, and then they, <clears throat> they tied on the third round. So uh, awesome performance from, from Michigan State. who's kind of been trending upwards. Highest finisher for Michigan State was... Uh, Leela Reigns at a T6 60 and she actually had what looks like tie for the second lowest round of the week behind Monet Chan with a 68 74 73 for Leela. Yeah, nice plan. Yep. So I imagine this may be kind of an obvious question but Michigan State is playing in the regional in Ann Arbor. That is what I was I was just I was going to assume that but then I just with how yeah, maybe we, we double check that that list how, of teams. Uh, weird, because we've got a good chance here. If Michigan State is playing, you know, we know how golf is. Recent form, mm-hmm. they're coming off a nice finish there. We could have both schools a- into the NCAA championships this year, which I don't. I mean, just guessing off the top of my head, I, I don't. I think that's probably pretty uncommon. I don't know the last time that that's happened. So when you're talking about Michigan just winning their first ever Big Ten title. Mm-hmm. Their their NCAA regionals is actually still to be announced. Got it. Okay. So, so I'm not sure if they are. They they could potentially be in a um, a different location, and maybe they're not. I would I would have to assume that they are in the tournament, but I. I can't say for certain. Maybe they did not. Uh, they've had. Oh, they don't good, qualify. You mean? Had some good finishes, but I, I know they only take a certain number of teams. 
All right. Well, we'll keep you posted on that. Yep. Uh, when it, so that's when not, we get that's, more yeah, details. Like that's not for, we will have more details next week. They don't play until the 9th and 11th is when regionals is. On to uh, the Michigan State boys and uh, Michigan boys. They both played in the uh, um, Robert Cup. Robert Kepler intercollegiate down in Columbus, Ohio. Michigan State finished in a seventh place uh, with a score of plus five, 291, 289, 289 for an 869. And Michigan finished in ninth place at 14 over, 287, 297, 294, 878. Some additional news from, uh, from East Lansing. The uh, NCAA has awarded Michigan State a, a 2024 NCAA Division I Women's Regional. So in two years, they will be at, well, I would have to assume, Forest Acres West. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweet. As well as the 2023 Men's Regional will be at Forest Acres. Nice. So a nice little... Uh, a nice little add-on here for 2023 and 2024 for the for the men and women. I will never forget playing state finals my sophomore year at Forest Acres. It hailed. It was low 40s, high 30s. I had one of those quarterback things around my waist to keep my hands warm. Oh, yeah. It was so bitter cold. You are, uh, you are unfortunately showing your age a little bit because that sounds like you must have been playing in the fall. Showing my age. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. We definitely played in the fall, yeah. <laughs> Healing in June. Hey, hey. Late May, hey, whatever it is. Hey, it's snowing. It's today. a possibility. It's don't, I played in the spring. I played it's in, snow, I played it's, in the it's snow. Tuesday, Tuesday 26 is the date of this recording. It's currently 1040 and yeah. snowing and, in the dust. And the boys so are, we should probably shut up. The boys either like there was a tournament there's tournaments going on to like high school tournaments that are playing in, in <laughs> i know oh, i know well do you have results because Batoski played yesterday did they not i mentioned high school boys are finally i know it's snowing but did we get some results i hopefully I have, our listeners will not have to jump through all the hoops that we've had to to access these no, so what, what I think was going to happen is I will have uh, updates from the tournament that was Sunday and there was a tournament yesterday, Monday. I will have those next week. I do have it from this past Wednesday was their first official tournament of the year. Uh, they were at Cadillac, at the old Cadillac uh, Country Club. Fine, fine golf course. They finished in fifth place. Uh, Traverse City Central won in a... Uh, a fifth score tiebreaker against Traverse City West. Cadillac finished third. Ogma wow. Heights finished fourth. Petoskey fifth. And then a name that I will mention uh, again today, and I will probably mention all spring. Uh, Cole Putman from Gaylord was the medalist honor or won medalist honors with a score of seventy-one. Congrats to Cole. So I will, like Pierce said. If I thought that finding college golf scores was hard, high school golf scores, whole whole another level. <laughs> so yeah, I will uh, sure. I, I will track those suckers down. Um, the final thing worth mentioning is the um, the Gam Junior kickoff was this past weekend, and that was at 
I just want to confirm where it was real quick. So this was in Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti, Hunter. Yip, what? <laughs> you don't pronounce the Y. Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti? Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti. So it was actually at uh, Washington, Washington Law mm-hmm. Golf Club. Um, some scores from there. So there's actually, there's four divisions, 15 and under for both boys and girls, and then uh, 15 and over. In the um, the boys' side of the older division, uh, Yip have uh, Alicum shot plus four, 76-72 to finish, was the champion. He was from... Ypsilanti, Michigan, and then uh, nicely done. Mitchell Strickland was uh, Ann Arbor, finished runner-up with scores of 76-75. In the uh, girls' division, Bridget Boxar was a champion at a score of plus 5, 77-72. Sophie Stevens uh, finished second, 78-73. And the name that we've mentioned all last year, Laura Timpf, uh, shot 76-79-155. And then uh, the defending champion um, from high school last year, Katie Brody, shot plus 12, 78, 78, 156. In the boys' 15 and under division, uh, Ian Massis shot uh, plus 13, 78, 79. Troy Naganu shot 74, 84 to finish runner-up. And finally, uh, Elena Lee shot plus 5, 73, 76 and Elena Freet shot 77 75 to finish runner up plus eight. So, some uh, nice scores for, for, uh, yeah, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it was, uh, windy is, yeah, as all hell that day. Um, and then the name, yeah, if you play, if you've played any golf anywhere in the Midwest these first couple of weeks on these days that it's been warm enough to actually play, it has really been blowing. Yes. Yes, it has. So it's nice, some nice scores there. And that is all I have from the local side. All right, do you need a breath, or do you want to go around the tours real quick? Oh, I did for, yeah. Uh, no, we can go around the tours. Yeah, because uh, let's get through. Corn was off last week, but I know they're back this week. Uh, I'm sure you have an LPGA update, too. Yep, so the uh, LPGA was at the, if you guys remember, it was the... I want to say it was like the it's a DIO implant LA open. That's correct. If you guys yeah. remember, those are uh, denters. Denters? I think so. The uh, champion was Nasa Hataka, shot 70. <laughs> denters. What? <laughs> denters. Dude, you're the best. Isn't that what I said? Denter. Denters. Dent- denters. Dentures. Dentures. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll cut it. I can't resist. Sometimes it's just funny. Uh, she shot 67, 68, 67, 67 to shoot 269. She took home uh, the title. They are. Do you see what she had to say about Jordan after? No. She talked about how like she hadn't been playing well. And how Jordan won in his first start after missing the cut at Augusta, and how that kind of inspired her. And you never know what's going to happen in golf. You can play well any week out of nowhere, and as long as you have that, you know, if you're prepared, feel you're prepared and have the right attitude, then 
and then boom. So it's interesting to see her get inspired. I just thought that was an interesting comment. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to, to NASA and they're off to the uh, Palos Verdes championship presented by uh, bank of America. That's in Palos Verdes uh, estates in California. That is April 28th through May 1st. I believe it, uh, it looks like yep, it is uh, the inaugural event. So we do not have a uh, defending champion to name. And then uh, as far as Corn Fairy goes, you said they're back on this week. Mm-hmm. Yep, they are... D- playing the Huntsville Championship uh, April 28th through May 1st in good old Huntsville, Alabama. Looks like uh, Paul Bajon uh, is the defending champion of the Huntsville Championship. Mm-hmm. So we will, the Frenchman. He's a good player. I'm surprised he hasn't had any better results on the PGA this year. And then finally, on the PGA Tour uh, Latin America, Alex Scott uh, did play this past week, and he finished. In a T36, minus 5, 70, 65, 73, 71. Uh, that currently puts... I want to see where well, if that was T35. They were going low. Yes. Yeah. Minus 20. Uh, was <sighs> the Maybe. champion for the bring your birdies. Yes. I want That's what see. we're going to have at the Vedanta Vierta this week as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. It looks like uh, Alex is sitting in 18th place. So he needs to um, get a move on it here in the next couple weeks. And they are. Did you happen to not to put you on the spot and be too brutal of a of a podcast partner? But did you happen to look and see the rules for who advances from LA Tour to Corn Ferry? Uh, I have not yet. Let me see where. What's the date? It's the so yeah. They actually are playing again this week. The Diners Club Peru Open, uh, presented by Volvo. That's in uh, Lima, Peru. I believe it's ten. I believe it's the top 10 on the money list get through or the points list, whatever. Mm-hmm. Get through to the uh, corn fairy tour that is. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, 10th in points right now is Chandler Blanchett with 709. No, that's not right. Oh no, that's it. He's trailing by 709. I see. Excuse me. So it's a difference between him and Alex of only about a hundred points. Okay, so, so um, certainly within range at his current position of 18th. So the whoever finishes first on the Latin America tour gets uh exemption, fully exempt onto the Corn Ferry Tour the next year. Players two through fifth receive qualification to the final round of Corn Ferry Q School, and then players 60 or 6th through 50th retain privileges on the PGA Tour. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got to get to top five to really get anything. Okay. Yep. 
Well, a couple me- couple medals, and yeah, hope. you know he could still break through, get into that top five. All right, thank you, Hunter. Mm-hmm. Is that all? Yep, that's all I got. You want to talk about this new golf course in Mexico? Yeah, PU. I mean, goodness gracious, has has does the PGA Tour know what an off week is? Because this sure uh, seems like we could just use one. I've seen some tweets about that. Yeah, I don't mind it so much. I think. Twenty feet now is like the third best. Has like the third best odds to win. If that's the case in any golf tournament, that should probably be a sign. Like the, we're talking about writing on the wall. Who would you say is the third best odds? I think Tony Fee, Tony Finau was like. Uh, yeah, he may, the promo, he might have the second best odds because Berger withdrew. The promo when I saw the promo, and it, it was Rom and Tony. I go, good I lord! <laughs> Everyone was really joking about this. that. Yeah, yeah. So Vedanta Vierta. We're in the uh, in Mexico along the Ameca River in the in like a basin of the Sierra Madres Mountains. I think it's going to be. I know Hunter's dogging it already, but at least from the visual standpoint of what this golf course is going to look like on TV. I mean, we've had a couple rough goes of it lately with the Valero at TPC San Antonio, TPC Louisiana is not the prettiest golf course that you're ever going to see on TV. I think we're going to like the way that this thing looks um greg norman just gosh this guy's name can't get out of the news happens to be the designer here this is a big resort i think they have five total courses but they've modified as part of this three-year deal they've modified this course that they're going to play this week as a 7400 yard par 71 on past palm grass to make it a little bit longer and and tour sort of appropriate but still we're talking about you know, resort golf south of the border is going to fee- is going to be very playable. We're talking very wide fairways, big landing areas, large greens, slower greens. Um, nothing particularly penal about this golf course. I will say it's a bit longer at seventy four hundred yards than maybe the average resort course, but uh, you know, I think. You're looking at when you're looking at being wide open off the tee and large, sort of flattish, slow greens. Uh, you can conclude that driving distance is probably going to be more important than accuracy this week, but really it's going to be more about the second shots and making enough birdies to get into contention. Because I don't see, apart from wind, seeing as this is somewhat coastal that the golf course is going to have very many defenses. There are, there is a lot of bunkering around here, but based on what I've read, it's not particularly penal. I think you can look at guys who are good out of the bunker or use that as kind of a tiebreaker uh, this week, if you want to. Um, but really, I think, you know, this, this is in terms of what we know about this golf course. It's going to be a pretty, pretty simple in the sense that it's going to be a birdie fest. You're going to need somebody to get hot with their irons or with their putter and drive. Like I said, driving distance is probably going to be more important than accuracy this week. Cause almost everybody will be hitting fairways and uh, there's not much rough. So Hunter mentioned the field strength is rough. We got Rom headlining. And then Berger withdrew his back. Sounds like his back is still bothering him, or he just thought better of going and playing 
in this event. Um, let's just go right to the odds board because we don't have we don't have past champs and we don't have course history. I will tell you about the guys who are trending well in terms of their form numbers wise, but I just think you have the odds board is so wild that it has, it's a big part of the conversation this week. To Hunter's point, there are currently on DraftKings Sportsbook, there are four co-second favorites. They're all at 20 to 1. John Rahm is the lone name above them. He's plus 350. 350, people. <laughs> 350. To win a golf tournament that takes four days to play on a golf course nobody's played before. So if you want to bet that, more power to you. Um, almost. I won't be doing that. My big takeaway from this leaderboard, like really, really quickly, is how insulting it is to Abraham Answer and Gary Woodland <laughs> that they're at the same level as Tony Finau, who has not had a top twenty-five finish in like eight months. He's terrible. Oh, you're gonna you're not gonna like the rest of the podcast then because I like Tony Finau this week and I, I actually know. have I'm not sure why. What 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 has he Because done? look at the field. Who do you like? <laughs> John Rahm. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and bet the three fifty, dude. You wanna win a hundred bucks on that, you gotta bet what? Thirty five thirty dollars. So that's not for me. Yeah, or I or I can spend money on Tony Finau and get nothing. So, or I can lose which, my- is, which is fun. It's great. It's a good time. He has done nothing to prove that he should be at 22 to, 22 to 1 is what I see. I don't think John Rahm's going to win this week. He doesn't grade out well with the longer shots approaches lately, and he's not very good out of bunkers, which doesn't seem right. Maybe he's just like not having a great year out of bunkers this year. He hasn't had that many attempts. But guys who are this like mega favorites – don't win that often, right? Is that fair? Uh, or is I mean, that just, I just, is that I just watched assumption? it happen on Sunday. Well, they weren't the favorites. They had to be, didn't they? Had to be first or second, right? They're second. They're second favorites. They weren't. Vic and Morikawa were the favorites. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But and I think they were co-second favorites with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. Oh my god! Well, if that's the case, then that's a. I see a pattern. Then you're gonna have to take Tony. Okay, let me get let me get through this before Hunter gets us too far off course. So rounds plus three fifty. Listen to these names at twenty to one. Kevin Na, my guy, Kevin Na, twenty to one, unbelievable in a PGA Tour event. And he's who knows he's he's got to make his PGA Tour impact here before he goes over to the Live Golf Tour. Mm-hmm. Cameron Tringali, twenty to one. Abraham Answer, who Hunter mentioned, uh, native Mexican, also apparently has some kind of, you know, he didn't play. There's been a couple times here he hasn't played lately. He wanted to play. Valero didn't play. So I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what that's about, but 20 to 1 is just, for me, it's too short for Abe Answer, especially when you can get Tony Fino at 25. Gary Woodland completes the, uh, I guess it's a quartet. At uh, at twenty to one, there four guys. There's Fino at twenty five to one with Sebastian Munoz. Among the players I wanted to bet before the week started was Sebastian Munoz. When I heard wide fairways 
second shot golf course, I was like, Sebastian Munoz. But 25 to 1, the same price as Tony Fina, I'll pass. Aaron Wise, the other guy that I thought, oh, he could be a good play this week. He's 30 to 1. Gun to head, I'm taking Sebastian Munoz over Tony Fina. Wow. What are we doing? Okay, you want to sandwich back? <laughs> you, you, Tony are, you are romanticizing Tony 1v1. to the point I've never seen. This is like Rory. 1v1. <laughs> you get Munoz, I get Finau. They're both 25 to 1. Yes. Yes. $5. Yes. Head to head. Okay, deal. Yes. Uh, Patrick Reed, 35 to 1 with Chris Kirk, who actually grades out really well, even though it's not particularly long. Brendan Todd, 45. Matt Jones, I think a lot of people like this week, is 55. Cam Champ's been bet down to 55. Doug Gim, 55. Streelman, CT Pan, Charles Howell III, 60 to 1. Grayson Signick, Taylor Adam Long, 65. Pat Perez, who also grades out well here, among a big group at 70 with Davis Riley, Aaron Rye, Russell Knox, Taylor Moore, Carlos Ortiz, who I actually bet at 100 to 1. Mark Hubbard, and Lanto Griffin, uh, which I like, I kind of like a lot of those names. Then Thigala, who I think could be a play this week, is 80, which is, a, I think, a totally fair number. Again, a lot of drivers this week, and it's plenty wide. There's not tons of trouble, so I kind of like that. Stallings is 80. Smalley, Bomber, 80. Lahiri's been playing pretty well, 80 to 1. Chad Ramey, uh, who won a few weeks ago, 80 to 1. And then I'll stop at 100 to 1, which is Andrew Putnam, David Lipsky, JT Poston, Wyndham Clark, and John Ha. Have you ever seen or heard a more beautiful odds board hunter in your life? No, this is um, this is certainly a sight to behold. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, goodness gracious, what are we doing here? This is, <laughs> this is something. This is, this is an odds board. An odd, an odd odds board, I would say. I don't, I don't know how. I love Kevin Na, twenty to one. I, I like that. Um, but like you see guys, like I didn't even know Brandon Todd still had his had his tour card. He's at thirty three to one. Excuse me. <laughs> you can't say that on this podcast. We're supposed to know about golf. It was. It was Brandon Todd won two tournaments yes. in a year, two se- two or three seasons ago. Exactly. He but just if, played he with Chris Kirk last week at the Zurich Classic. But if he hadn't won an event since those two, he could, could potentially be off. Is what I'm saying. He's not. It was it was a joke. Everybody could potentially be off if they hadn't won a tournament. Exactly. Okay. I'm just gonna. Sh- I'll have to just shoot it straight from now on. Uh, just for anybody wondering, uh, Brennan Todd does still have his PJ Tour card. He, he has not lost it. It's right there. I just, I'm just, I'm shocked to see him at 33 to one. He's very, very solidly has his card. Yes. I was, I was scrolling the very bottom because I was looking for Ryan Brem. I, I think, like, if you can bomb it, a, a, if you can really bomb it, or b, you can get really hot with your irons. Nobody in this field is besides Rom is like a complete player. Uh, which is why I like the upside for Finau. Yeah, I think a lot of people are gonna back Woodland because the form and that also makes sense. You know, he's a guy who likes to club down off the tee because he can be a little crooked with his driver. Well, here he can kind of be a little freed up with the driver, it makes him longer. So, like I I see that. 
20 to one. I just, I also think this is one of those tournaments where you take motivation into consideration, right? Like here, who's here to play and, you know, who's here to, you know, try and actually win, which is why I like Riley and Thigala and some of these younger guys who have flashed form this year and seem to fit what this course requires, who are going to be motivated. They need points. They, they want a victory versus a guy like a Chris Kirk, you know, who I, who I really like, I might even want it done. I, I think that 35 in this field is kind of fair for him, fairer than some of these other numbers. And I do think he's been playing well, but what's his motivate, you know, like what's his motivation? I know he hasn't won in a while, but so that's kind of what I'm, you know, tossing around a little bit. I did mention, I bet Ortiz at a hundred. I know the form has been really poor, but I thought that was a great number. And I think he's going to be highly motivated to perform well here in his, uh, in his home country, his brother, interesting Alvarez, Interestingly, Alvaro is also in the field this week and actually won the Mexico Open before, I think it was two years ago, maybe. it was They skipped it because of COVID maybe one year. And so it's only now become a PGA Tour sanctioned event, but they've always played it. And Alvaro is, I think, like technically the defending champion, uh, even though it's kind of a new event. So um, Chase Seifert flashed a little bit last week. Decent. Coastal course kind of player, 150. Peter Uline can really benefit from wide, wide fairways. He's 150 to one. Uh, Trey Mullinax, another one of those younger guys that needs points, played well. That's at, I think it was Safeway, which is kind of a similar course in the sense that it's really, you know, again, it's blast off with the driver pretty much all the way around there. So, just a few of the names that I'm looking at, you know, people were hot to trot over Jason, Joseph Bramlett partnered with uh, McNeely last week. They were terrible, but 200, he's two all the way down to 200 to one now after being 50 to one or whatever last week. But I don't know if you can handicap this tournament. You're a smarter person than I am because this is, almost as much of a crapshoot probably going to end up being more of a crapshoot than the Zurich. So Finau versus Munoz. I got Finau. You got Munoz five bucks on the line. I bet Ortiz a hundred to one. Those might be my two bets of the week. Perfect. Or you know what? I might get a little crazy and I might put down a heavy wager on Mr. Tony Finau. I don't know why. <laughs> because quite, I'm a glutton for punishment. Can't Hunter. quite figure that out. Because the upside so far outweighs the, the people upside? that he's priced upside. around. What upside? It doesn't exist. Oh come on, dude! This week, is a dude that one week this is of his a, life. This is a guy that's played well in majors. He lost in a playoff at Riviera. I know we like to rag on him, but 149th in the FedEx Cup. 149th. Even the Mexico Open has players with with better resumes than that. Yeah. No, I mean he's that's what I mean. There's he's a reason due. he's priced at 25 to 1. That's he what, would be if this was a year ago, he would be 12 to 1. That's right. I'm a little confused as to why he's so low. 
Like, do we really it. think Tony's not going to make it into the FedEx Cup playoffs this year? Like, I see him turning it around. He's been crooked with his driver and cold with his putter. His driver is his best club. He's obviously working on his swing, and so he hasn't spent enough time on the greens. I would imagine this kind of a course combined with somewhat improving form. I know it hasn't manifested itself into great results yet, but he's playing better lately than he was. This could be just the kind of thing he needs. Big, flat, slow greens for Tony Fino and wide fairways. A resort course, 25 to 1. Giddy up. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a, a time machine. It's like it's like 2020, <laughs> 2020 and Tony's, Tony's on one of his runs right now where he's had some success in recent weeks. And it all makes sense. But we're actually, it turns out we're not a time machine. And it's 2022. And Tony Finau has not had a top 25 finish in eight months. It's been since it's been like all right, so September. I know. That's why he's August. due. He's due, dude. Due, dude, dude. No, um, does that, does it, are you, do you care about the PGA Championship? These odds were released. The numbers are super soft. But did you look? I have not looked yet. I will I'll pull up right now. So there's like 10 guys priced under 20 to 1. Like Brooks is down there. Cam Smith is 18. Even Bryson's 14. Um, Do you know have Rory, like- Thomas, and Sheffler. This is DraftKings, by the way. Are all 12 to 1. And Rom mm-hmm. is the favorite at 11 to 1. But there is... Like, I like Cantley here. Should I be clicking this 20 to 1 on Cantley? Is that number going to stay there, do you think? Why is he, how is he priced behind? I just, there's no respect. And this should be a perfect course for him. It's kind of like Riv. It's hilly, it's narrow, it's tree-lined. You need to be precise and have a really good short game. See, I feel like I'd be more likely to click on Cam Smith's name at sixteen to one than I would be at Patrick Cantley's name at sixteen to one. I'm not yeah, sure where Cam know. Smith at. Cam Smith is so crooked with his drivers. You see those pull hooks he was hitting at Augusta? I did see that. I mean, that looked like me on Saturday when I shot forty three on the back nine after shooting thirty five on the front. Sounds like so. I don't know. I don't. I know it's like I like Hovland. At 20, and I like Cantley at 20. I think, like, to me, those numbers are interesting. And then I think if you back up farther, like, Neiman, again, he loves country club style golf. He's playing lights out. He was, was he first round leader at Augusta? He's 45 to 1. That's t- really, to me, a f- super fair number. Sung J.M., the PGA Championship. I mean, that would that would make so much sense. He's fifty. So, anyway, those are those have been posted, and I, I do think some of them are some of them are interesting. I might even end up clicking on clicking on some of these. So it's fun to think that that's really we're getting close. Uh yeah, yeah. Only two Thursdays away, not including this one. Yeah, so I guess three three Thursdays. They just want the PGA's making it so that we're just dying for quality golf when the PGA comes around because they're putting us through a serious drought right now. I, I hate it, honestly. I don't like it. And we're not going to have the same thing happen last year. We're not going to have any golf after any important golf after the U.S. Open or after the Open. Where's the U.S. Open? 
Oh. Are you saying that the FedEx Cup is not important, Hunter? I liked it more when the PGA Championship was last, yes. I thought that spread things out a little bit more. I feel like if you're injured for like a month and a half during this season, or during any of these seasons now, you're just screwed. For yeah, it is crunched. You do, well, that's why the PGA Tour also had to do the, when you create a major season that's that short, you sh- you shrink the season of all your stars kind of because they all want to be peaking at the same time, which is why they've had to enforce these they come up with these rules about you must play in a new event. You must do this, that, the other, because otherwise, why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't you just start your season? Like either play California and take off Florida, play Florida, take off California. You know, like you could kind of, you could kind of just maneuver your way around. The other thing that sort of sucks right now is that because we're using quail hollow for the president's cup, we're not playing there for the Wells Fargo. Where are they playing? I don't know. So from a gambling perspective, that gets rid of all the course history. I'm not going to be able to bet my guys, Rory and Keith Mitchell. No. Or Max Homa. I was, I was, I'm ready for Max Homa to win the Wells Fargo again. And it's going to have to wait a year, I guess. Congratulations to Max on his being, uh, his wife's pregnant with a baby boy. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Gender reveals are so dumb. Please stop doing those, everyone. Did they do one or they just, I thought they just did a picture. It was pretty mild. Their dog ran out with blue balloons tied around his neck. Oh, okay. That's... He's got a nice pool. I'd like to be invited over there sometime. Yeah, he's, he's won some money. He's earned that pool. All right, I can tell you why I'm going to stop talking. That probably means everybody's tired of me. All right, do you want to quickly touch on the live tour? All I know is that 15 of the top 100, so they say, are going to be in, have signed, are, are signing up, have signed up, have, have expressed, you know, that they want to, that they're going to move forward playing these events. That's not very good. That's probably about what we're dealing with this week at the Mexico Open, I would think. It's probably similar, maybe 12. Yeah. Maybe. So if that's what we're... I know Hunter said it's going to be different because it's not 156 guys or whatever, so you don't have quite as much the rip. You know, Martin Trainer isn't going to be in there. We were discussing that last week. It was... So it's 48 players is what the the total of the field is. It'll be very interesting to see because this first... The first couple of events are all um, out of country. And PJ Tour has always given those releases. When it's going to become an issue is when they play their first domestic event, which is in July. That's when they go to Portland. And the PJ Tour, per policy, does not grant releases for domestic tournaments. So it seems like they'll get everyone with everyone that wants this release for this London event here in. Um, early June, we'll get that release, I, I believe, is what I'm, I'm seeing. But it's going to be that Portland one in July where things might uh, come to a head, get a little interesting. So, it, it, like guys like uh, like Phil Mickelson has uh, asked, has filed his release paperwork along with some of those names we mentioned um, last week. But like, like you said, 15 out of the top hundred. Is not. Um, one of those is presumably Westwood. Yes. Who's 
on his way, probably on his way, in fairness to him, probably on his way out of the top 100. One of those 48 is going to be Norman himself, from what I understand. Oh, is that true? I think so. And remember, they're going at, they were, as it was last week's episode that we talked about the fact that they were beginning to go after amateur players. So anyway, I'm I'm a I'm a skeptic. Apart from the politics, I, I just I'm a skeptic that these events are going to have any value for an audience. But we'll see. I mean, Kokrak, Westwood, Nah, Poulter, Ustazen, Phil. You say Louis? Is Louis in? Yeah. Well, he's not going to play. He doesn't play in any events. He sleeps on a bad mattress and he's out for two months. Yeah. How about, uh, I don't know. I think this happened after last week's episode, but Greg Norman just saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing in the open. <laughs> like sign, sign me up. I'll be there. <laughs> Denied. I'm ready to go. The it's RNA like, is like, no, you don't meet any of the criteria except for one. And it sounds like that all stops when you're 60. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately for them, they did they did make an exception for Tom Watson <laughs> that last year. I think he was 61. So now it looks a little bit, looks a little fishy, but he is also like 68. So it's not like he just missed. Yeah. He just uh, missed the gosh. Can you, that was one of the greatest open disappointments of my life when Tom couldn't quite pull that off. Yeah. That would have been, uh, that would have been very, very cool. And then, I mean, good for Stewie Sink. Stewie Sink's going to end up in the World Golf Hall of Fame, but it, that oh man, he hit such he hit such a good second too. It was such a good shot. Like his last full swing, he nutted it. Oh yeah, and just went through the green a little bit, and just asking too much of an old man at that point to get up and down from a little bit of like a short sighted. It was just like oh oh. Did you, so brutal. Speaking of uh, Greg Norman, did you watch that uh, thirty for thirty that came out? Um, no, have you watched it? I did. Yeah, it was very. Is good. it good? Yeah, I loved it. Very, uh, very interesting. The whole. So you'd recommend it to to our audience? I would. Yeah, go check it out. Um, I think I've already told like three of our four listeners about it. So, but that fourth one, they now know about the good, good. Greg Norman. Whoever you are. Yes, uh, it was it was it was good. He played the victim card big time. Little, little baby. He's got some interesting perspectives, I guess. All right, that's all I uh, that's all I really have. Good luck at the uh, good luck with Tony at the Mexico Open. I hope he even makes. Or it enjoy up. your or enjoy your week off. Yeah, Tony versus Munoz. Yes, well, golf. be a duel, and I love Munoz, so I won't even be mad if I end up giving him five bucks. And Tony, yeah, Tony might miss the cut, but we'll see. And the golf course opens this week weekend so it's all all happy up here as long as it's top of snowing all right hopefully you can get out play some golf this week talk to you